Hello. There we go. I knew it would work. Just takes, it was user error on my, my part. Uh, so, uh, can we do something before we get started? Can we give it up one more time for what God did last night? That was incredible. I loved waking up this morning knowing that heaven's going to be more full today than it was yesterday. It's, it's a blessing. Um, so, two things uh, start to happen at this point in camp. Uh, the first is that the freshman boys decide to take their first shower. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love my freshman boys, but uh, showers are amazing. So do that. Um, also, uh, what, what starts to happen is, is all the fun you're having all week starts to set in and it starts to, to look like um, sleepiness. And so I got to tell you, God's got more to do. And so don't tune out. Let's see what he's got for you because he's got more that he wants to do in your life. Um, we're going to be in, in the book of Colossians today. So like I said, on day one, the, the table of contents in the front is your friend. Uh, if, you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for the book of Colossians, it's in uh, the pastoral, or not the pastoral epistles, the epistles uh, of Paul. And you can find that uh, through the table of contents. We're going to be, uh, we're going to briefly be in chapter one, we're going to briefly be in chapter two, and then we're going to camp in chapter three. So starting in verse nine of chapter one, Paul's going to, Paul's going to pray uh, a prayer for the church at Colossae. This is a letter that Paul writes to this church. Uh, it's a church in the city of Colossae, and he's going to pray that after they receive salvation, that they would then do what we call embrace the gospel over time. So, so what we saw last night was justification. It, it means we embrace the gospel at a point in time. That's the, the point in time where we look back. If somebody says, when were you saved? Uh, some of you will say, Heartland Christian Camp 2022. That's your, that's your point in time embracing the gospel. But there's this, this call on the Christian's life to embrace the gospel over time. And that's what we're going to talk about really for the rest of camp. We're going to talk about what that looks like. So starting in verse 9, the, the prayer of, of Paul for this church in Colossae, he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so in this prayer, Paul, he's going to pray this desire that he has for the, the church at Ephesus or the church at Colossae to, um, to continue to grow in their, in their uh, walk with Jesus, in their faith, to continue to grow in, in how they live it out. In, uh, in chapter two, flip over probably just the next page, starting in verse six, he's going he's gonna to now, he, he prayed, prayed for them. He's going to now call them to embrace the gospel over time. Look at starting in verse six. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, point in time, embracing the gospel at a point in time, he says, just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. 
having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. I love the, uh, the cause and effect language that's here. I mean, that probably takes you back to what, like science, like cause and effect. You guys, you guys don't need to be in school. It's summer, but we're going to talk a little bit about cause and effect. So if you look at, at verses six and seven, we see that the cause was that you received Jesus Christ, that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord. And the effect is that because you received Jesus Christ, you'll walk in him. You'll walk in him. And, and I love the, the beauty of that, that phrasing, walk in him, because it's process language. It's process language. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's that this is something that begins when you put your faith in Jesus, and it, it's walked out over time. You then start to, to walk in him. One of the words that you're going to hear a lot this morning is the word change. It's, it's something that is a mark of a Christian. So you put your faith in Jesus and you become changed and then you change over time. It's called spiritual growth. It's a consistent walk. It's not a sprint. It doesn't happen in an instant, but it happens over a lifetime. You hear the, the, the process language of, of walk. Anybody, he doesn't say run. He does in other places, but he doesn't hear. He, he says walk. The, 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 the process language of being built up and established. It's over time. It's, look at verse 10 of Colossians 3. He just finished telling us all the things we take off, right? The, the things that, that we need to, to leave, the things we need to change how we think about. And he says, and have put on the new self. What does the new self look like? He said, who is being renewed to true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. The new self is trying to become more like Christ, which means we read our Bible and we know who Jesus was and we know what Jesus taught and we try to become every day more and more like him. Verse 11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, here it goes, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, having patience with one another, loving one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is perfect bond, which is the perfect bond of unity. In other words, child of God, live out of who you already are. Live out of the, the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of you. Live out of, of, of who God's made you to be in, in Jesus. You are a child of God who is chosen and loved by God. And so the process language, the process language that he started off with in, in chapter two, is, it's picked up here. He, he, says, uh, he says, I want you to put on these things. The, the, image, um, the image that I get is one of clothing, right? He's saying, take off the old clothing, put on the new clothing. Many of you did that this morning. 
Uh, I used to, to be a junior high uh, counselor. I started out sixth grade, junior high. And here's the difference between you guys and junior highs when they come to camp. Ready? So you have a middle school kid, and their goal is to go the whole week of camp wearing the same shirt. Like, if you ask them, how many pieces of clothes did you pack? You're like, they're, they're like, well, my mommy packed, they say mommy still. Uh, they're like, my mommy packed me uh, like seven shirts. And you're like, why are you only wearing one? And if you think freshman boys are bad, those junior hires, they do not shower the whole week. And they're wearing the same shirt. And, and it's like, just take off, just, just change it. Take off the old shirt and put on the new shirt. And what Paul's saying is just like clothes, we have to take off the flesh and we have to put on the spirit. We have to take off our old self and we have to put on the new self. We have to walk in the newness that God created. And sometimes we have to do it more often than once a day. You guys probably change your clothes once a day. I have a daughter, she's four. And she likes to change her clothes every hour. Like she, She'll go up and she'll be like, I want to wear this dress. It's 9, 9 a.m. It's time for the 9 a.m. dress. And she'll put it on. And then all of a sudden, she, you know, 10 a.m. comes around and she can't even tell time, but she knows somehow there's some way that she's got to change her clothes again. So she's like, you know what? 10 a.m. feels to me like a, like, like kind of like a, a shorts and a t-shirt hour. And so she'll, she'll go up and she'll change her clothes again. And then, and then all of a sudden, Throughout the day, she's changing her clothes over and over and over again. And that is, as a parent, that's the most frustrating thing. Because she doesn't hang it back up. She throws it in her dirty clothes. You're like, you wore it one, one hour, and now it's dirty? And so my wife, my wife has to do the laundry. She does their laundry. I do my laundry. You can be proud of me. I do my own laundry. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's helped my marriage immensely. Um, but my wife still does all the kids' laundry, and, and it's really frustrating, but it makes for a really good sermon illustration because this is what we have to do as Christians. It's not daily. It's, it's minute by minute. Sometimes we, sometimes we just have to go, oh, that was the flesh. Oh, I said that. That was the flesh. A lot of times that happens. Uh, marriage is a great mirror into, like, who you are like at that moment. And I can tell if my wife is mad at me, I probably was talking to her in the flesh. And so minute by minute, we have to, we have to think about who, who am I living out of, the old self or, or the new self? We, we, have to, we have to think about whatever, whatever we do, we, the, we, can always, we can always use a fresh change of clothes. We can take off our, our filthy old self. And so receiving Christ changes our identity. It changes our values, and Paul's going to show us that it changes one more thing. It changes our perspective. It changes our perspective. Colossians 3, starting in verse 15. He says, let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks 
through him to God the Father. As you read your Bible, if you see an author continually repeat something, it means it's really important. And one thing that he's saying is one thing that, that marks us as new believers is an attitude of gratitude. Is, is the idea that now you realize that there's something bigger than you and, and that that something bigger than you is God and that that God sent his son into this world to make you right before him and that that God cares for you, that he gives you what you need and he cares for you like the, the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. And, 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 and now out of everything, you can give thanks because you know he is the provider. And even in the midst of trials, you can give thanks because you know that he works for the good in all who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so, so now all of a sudden, we, we get to look at our lives differently. We have a different perspective. We have a different perspective when things are good. We realize that it's only because of God. We have, a real, we have a different perspective when, with the monotonous things we take for granted, the food that's on our table, the house that's over our, our head, the, the, the bathrooms we get to use at our house, right? There are people in Africa, they, they, they go to the bathroom in a hole. We have indoor plumbing. And all of a sudden, we, we look at these things in our lives and, and we get to have gratitude. We get to be thankful. I think one of the most, I think the most important mark of a Christian is love. But I think the second most might be thankfulness. Because we know, we know that we don't deserve anything. And yet God who loves us gives, us gives things to us richly for us to enjoy. And so this new perspective happens. We, we have an issue as humans. I, I like to call it, I made this up, so if you hate it, it's my fault. Uh, I like to call it the tyranny of the negatives. So here's what happens. We have all these blessings in our life, right? We, we have blessings upon blessings. Like if you live in this country, it's a blessing. And with that comes a lot of blessings. For most of you, your family is a blessing. For most of you, uh, the school you go to is a blessing. There are kids in other countries, they don't get to go to school. Uh, for, for some of you, the, the jobs that your parents have that, that give them the ability to have money is a blessing. We have all these blessings. And then one bad thing happens. Like maybe the girl that we like doesn't like us back. That probably has happened this week at camp, sorry. But maybe, maybe the girlfriend that we've had for weeks or months uh, decides to break up with us. And now all of a sudden, it's the worst thing in the world. And your life goes from, I have all of these blessings to I have one thing that, that's going wrong. And all we can focus on is this negative thing, even though God has brought all of these great things into our lives. And what Paul's saying is we need to have thankfulness even in the midst of the one thing. We need to wake up every morning counting our blessings, realizing who God is and what he's done for us. The fact that even waking up and breathing is a gift from God. I want you to become, I, I want to, I want to give you an encouragement. I want you to become an expert in how good God has been to you. I think it will change your life. I think that if you can become an expert in how good God has been to you, it will change the hard times. It will change the good times. You will celebrate more richly and you will grieve less because you realize how good God has been to you. 
It's going to help you weather the storms, and it's going to help enrich your worship. And you're going to be able to start processing just who this God is and how much he cares for you. I think one question surrounding uh, the, the process of gospel transformation that, that needs to be addressed is, is, is the res- who's responsible for it? Like theologically, how does that happen? Is it, is it God or is it us? And, and the answer to this question is a very uh, frustrating yes. Because like we'd all like to say like there's one answer, uh, it, it's, it's just God. Or, or it's just me. And there are churches that fight over that. Like, there are literally churches who are like, no, God, God is not just sovereign. Like, we have free will. And there are other churches who are like, no, there's no free will, and there's just sovereignty. And I, I see both in Scripture. And I see that, that God works in us, and that we also have responsibility when it comes to our spiritual formation. The Holy Spirit clearly has a role in our gospel transformation. Check this out, Philippians 1.6. He says, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, God, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, so the God who started this good work in you is going to stay at work in your life. It's a mark of a believer. He's, he, he's going to walk with you. The, the, the million-dollar like uh, seminary word is, is sanctification. He's going he's gonna to walk with you through this life, and he's going to do a work in your life. But we also have a role in our, our transformation. Just one chapter later, Paul writes in the same letter to the Philippians, he says uh, in, in verse 12 of chapter two, he says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so he, he looks and he goes, okay, in chapter one, God does your, your spiritual growing. In chapter two, you, you do your spiritual growing. And so it's this beautiful mixture of God being at work in us and us being committed to the work that God's called us to. So what does that mean for us today? I think we have to know what gospel transformation doesn't look like. Because you head down the mountain, what does it not look like? It doesn't look like linear growth. You have to give yourself a break. The the goal is just to continue to be pointed towards Jesus, to to ride out the waves of this life, to realize that there are three forces that are working against you. It's Satan, the flesh, and the world. And they combine, and they're they're trying to drag you down. And sometimes they they might get the upper hand for a little while, but you, you know that God's at work in you. And so, so it's going to look a whole lot more like a roller coaster than it does linear growth. The second thing that it's not is perfection. The weight that we carry when we believe that, that God calls us to perfection, look, that was the old plan. The old plan was perfection. The new plan is grace. And so instead of of living out of we have to, we have to do it, we have to glorify God, we have to check these boxes, now we live out of the the get to. We get to live out our faith. We get to glorify God. Because of what he's done for us, that's the natural thing for us to do. And so that means we don't have to get discouraged when we fail. We can we can pick ourselves up, we can dust ourselves off, and we can get back in the game. 
It means that if you've stopped walking, just start walking again. Walk with him. It's so encouraging to me that Paul says this about himself. I cling to the failures of the people in the Bible. I want you to hear that. I, I love the failures of the people in the Bible because it shows me time and time again that the, the, the bullseye is not perfection. It's living in the grace of God. This is what he says in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, I haven't arrived. I'm still in process. I'm still working. God's still working in me. But my goal is not perfection. It's to press on. It's to keep my eyes on Jesus. It's to, to, to continue this race that God has started in me. And so he presses on towards the goal. That's the thing is, is we're just trying to get closer to the goal of becoming more like Jesus every single day. So we talked about what it doesn't look like, but what does it look like? It looks like embracing our change of identity. It looks like defining ourselves as children of God. It looks like not listening to what the world says about you or what the flesh says about you or what Satan whispers about you. It looks like looking at what God says about you, that he created you and that you are very good, that he loves you intimately, that he, he breathed life into you, that, that he, he fills your lungs every day with that same breath, that he, he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to give you conviction and guidance. It looks like living out of this new identity as a, a life that's intertwined, that's connected to Christ. There are so many things that are, fighting for your love and your worship. Screens and social media, friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. Everything around you seems to, to want a piece of you. And I think living out of our new identity is that we prioritize our lives the right way. It also looks like embracing our change in values. We're an image bearer of Christ. And so the question is, what do you need to take off today? Like what, what about your life do you need to lay aside? And what do you need to put on? There's a, there's a list in Colossians 3. If you ever need to go back to it, Colossians 3, Colossians 3, Colossians 3. It's a beautiful list. But taking off the old self is called repentance. We don't just do it last night at Heartland Christian Camps. We do it all the time. Repentance should be a regular value of your life, something that you, that you do constantly. And it means rejecting the things that, that Jesus rejects. Like we talked about Salabar uh, religion. We talked about Salabar faith. Like it, it's about rejecting the things that Jesus rejects. If you could just change your, your heart and your mind to go, what does the Bible say about that? Not what do my friends say about it? Not what do my parents say about it? Not even what do I say about it? What does the Bible say about that? You will look at this world a different way. Because right now, the world is, is a broken place, wanting to draw you into its brokenness, to make you accept the lies that, that, that the father of lies is telling right 
here in this world all around us. So we embrace our change in identity. We embrace our change in values. And then we embrace our change of perspective. We have a heart and a mind that's overflowing with gratitude. We become experts in how good God has been to us. And you have to remember that it's an ongoing process, a process of embracing our new identity, values, and perspective to walk in him. There's a pastor on our team. His name's Dave. Uh, he's our, our pastor of discipleship at, at the well. And uh, he, says, he says this, and I had to quote him. He said, people have an easier time trusting God for eternity than they do for today. And I was, I was like, at first I'm like, I hated that. I'm like, no, I trust God today. And then it, I thought about it. Like trusting God for eternity, I just have to do it once. Trusting God for every day, I have to do day in and day out, 365 days a year. And yet the greatest richness in my life has come when I wake up every day and trust God for that day. So let's, let's trust God not only for our salvation, but, but let's trust God for today. Let's trust him for tomorrow. Let's trust God enough to walk in him as imperfect followers of Jesus. Remember back in, in Genesis, God says that Satan's gonna bruise our heel. We're going to walk with a limp. And that's fine as long as we're walking towards Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for what you're doing in the lives of these students and leaders in here. And God, I just, I pray that, pray that as we walk out our faith, that it would be a day-to-day thing that every day we would try to wake up, be grateful for what you've given us and live out of our new identity and values, that we would value what you value, that we would hate what you hate. And Lord, that we, we would be committed to not, to not bending to what the world or Satan or the flesh calls us to. Lord, there's a very clear spiritual battle that's going on in this world. Help us to be on your side. Help us to be on your army, to walk with you, to love you, to be the branches to your vine, to abide in you. By your grace, Lord, 20 years from now, every student in here will be closer to you than they they are today. In Jesus' name, amen.